This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. I'm Renee Rouleau, celebrity esthetician and founder of Renee Rouleau Skincare based in Austin, Texas. What I love about beauty is how much it ties into our self-esteem. When you look good, you feel good. And I'm very proud to be in a profession that I can make people feel their best and put their best face forward. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. We are so excited to have you here today, Renee. Welcome to Beauty is Your Business. Thank you. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I listen to it all the time. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm here, I'm April Franzino here with Karen Moon, my co-host. Hi, everyone. So excited for this conversation. So, Renee, you have such an interesting story in that you're an esthetician who has managed to have an incredibly successful, not only practice, but also skincare line. And, you know, you're renowned among celebrities and beyond. So talk to us about the transition between the life of an esthetician and building a business and how that happened. So I was inspired by my grandmother. She was a hairstylist and she owned her own hair salon. So she was both an entrepreneur and a beauty professional. She had the powder puff beauty shop back in the 70s. And so as a child, I grew up watching a woman that was in a profession that she could make a career out of. She could have, you know, flex her entrepreneurial muscles, employ people, but also make people look good and feel good. And I think that, you know, I remember seeing like a woman would come into her salon and she'd be sad. And, and then all of a sudden she leaves the salon and she's feeling great. My grandmother was also really funny and really witty and just literally could transform someone's entire day just being with my grandmother. So I thought that was inspiring. And so I think at the end of the day, you know, we all, we all want to help people. We all want to make people feel good. And I'm lucky that I'm in a profession that I'm able to do that. I did actually start out as a hairstylist, but because I thought I would follow in the footsteps of my grandmother. But I quickly, you know, as I was training to be a hairstylist, you start with children's cuts. And there's nothing that will scare you out of a career more than giving a three-year-old toddler a haircut while they're sitting on on their mom's lap and they're screaming, crying, and you're trying everything not to cut their ear off. And I was like, all right, I can't do this. And so I ended up, I really liked the skincare part of beauty anyway. And so I went to school to become an esthetician. And that was, I've been an esthetician since 1990. So I guess that's about 31 years ago now. And uh, eventually started uh, being an entrepreneur. I started a skincare salon outside of Boston, Massachusetts when I was living there with a coworker for my first job. And we had that for five years and then relocated to Texas 25 years ago this August and started Renee Rouleau Skincare. So we're celebrating a quarter century. I would like to think I could run a business with my eyes closed at this point. I'm kind of have to keep one eye open sometimes because it's still always changing, but very happy to be thriving and and more relevant than ever after 25 years. That's incredible. I mean, not very many people have been able to make that transition so successfully and to build a business in that way from a, a practice starting in that arena. So tell us a little bit about 
how the skincare line itself came to be and what went into developing it, as opposed to obviously you had been using other products from different brands. And how did that happen that you wanted to have your own offering? Yeah. So I think, you know, being an esthetician and literally being two inches from people's pores for the past 30 years, you know, you learn a lot about skin and certainly a lot of conversations with clients about their skin concerns. And when you start a brand, it's always what problem am I looking to solve and how is it different than what's available in the marketplace? So being an esthetician, you know, when I went to school 31 years ago, we learned skin types and we learned dry, normal, and oily. And we also learned something called Fitzpatrick skin types. And Fitzpatrick skin types, I actually, I used to work with Dr. Fitzpatrick who created those. That's a fun little fact. But Fitzpatrick skin types is all about your skin color, the tone, basically, you know, in theory, light, medium, dark, there's six different ones, but that doesn't really play into skincare in my world as much. It's more like if you have a laser treatment, that's important because, you know, certain lasers you can't use on deeper skin tones. I was trained on dry, normal, and oily, and that tells you how little or how much oil your skin produces. And that's helpful as an esthetician because when you're choosing a moisturizer for someone, for example, you know, you have to decide, do I give them something that has oil in it or is it something that's oil-free because they're oily, et cetera. But when I started working as an esthetician, got my license, and now I'm like, okay, I know about skin, I'm ready to go, I quickly realized that people had more concerns than, oh, my skin being dry, normal, and oily. People were like, oh, all of a sudden I'm 35 and getting adult acne, what's going on? Or I have rosacea, or I have sunspots, or I'm concerned about aging, but I still have oily skin, I'm not very dry, or the list goes on and on, all different types of sensitivity, et cetera. And, you know, a big part of skincare is, you know, my clients are with me for an hour and a half, you know, once a month, but then I release them out into the wild. And at that point, they're on their own. And so my job is to educate them on how to care for their skin when they're released out in the wild. And so my first job, we had one skincare line that we sold and it was like two moisturizers, two cleansers, one mask, you know, I mean, it was like so basic and it was like, wait a minute, my you know, my clients have these skin concerns that, you know, are kind of complicated and I have only a couple products to sell them. So I convinced the salon owner to bring in a second line and then eventually a third line. So I was able to curate a skincare routine just for them. So fast forward, when I started my company, Renee Rouleau, I said, there has to be something better than this. So I determined there were nine different types of skin. So at that point, before I started my company, I had already been a practicing esthetician for like seven years and determined that there were nine different types of skin. And then I created a skincare line that's based off of these nine unique skin types. And so my line currently has 50 products in the line, which is very extensive. And people take a skin type quiz at ReneeRillo.com and can find their perfect curated routine. But the end result of that is they actually get better results because it's very specific for the needs of their skin. And, you know, it certainly goes beyond the dry, normal, and oily three skin types that everyone's used to. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, to see, you know, that hole in the market, especially, you know, it was two decades ago. So that's so ahead of the time when now there's so many offerings for very specific needs. But how did you go about identifying what you would develop to start? What kind of products? Obviously, the line has grown quite substantially over the years. So where did you begin? What kinds of products? What did you see the biggest need for in the beginning? And then how has that changed over time? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's always you have to start with your basics, right? So I tell people at the very least, 
cleanser and a moisturizer and a sunscreen with moisturizer, right? So cleanse in the morning, a sunscreen during the day, and then a non sunscreen moisturizer at night. So those are always going to be your basic. Then I'm a huge fan of toners. So I worked in some toners into the line because I'm a big believer of those as long as they're alcohol free. And then eventually, and, and serums back when I started my company, serums were a thing. I think serums really, I'd have to look at the history, but I think they came out of France because, you know, the French were very, you know, an esthetician was a very prominent Maybe it's a French name, probably with the A that when it's spelled with the AE in the beginning. But when I go to France, there's estheticians on every street corner, just like we have nail salons here. So I think, you know, the French were really the inspiration behind the skincare industry. But serums back then, they weren't called serums, but they were little ampules, like little glass ampules that you would break open and apply this concentrated treatment to the skin. Yeah, I think they were kind of called treatments back then. But eventually, you know, now everyone kind of knows what a serum is and everybody uses serums. So things with vitamin C, things with acids, things with peptides, things with retinol, et cetera. So those certainly got weaved into the line. And I've also been somebody that's dealt a lot personally with my own acne growing up. So I was always looking for my own solutions to that. So like our number one bestseller is an acne product. But yeah, just, you know, slowly kind of curating routines for all the nine skin types. Wow. Tell us a little bit about how you sell the products. Are they, you know, available online, obviously in your practice? What were your thoughts when you were putting them out in retail? So I'm actually not in retailers. We sell D to C from ReneeRillo.com. So believe it or not, I launched e-commerce in 1999 and my brother is a web developer. And I was like, you know, I think this whole like shop online, get your products delivered to your doorstep situation. I'm like, I think this is going to be a thing. And it was buzzing. So it kind of was a thing. So we started selling online in 1999. And at the same time, I started pushing out content, which is now my skincare blog. But back then it was just like these skincare articles that I posted online to educate people. And so we were a commerce and content starting in 1999. And fast forward now to 2021, you know, our blog is extremely popular and we've remained a D2C company. I did dip my toes into retailers when I created a body care line. So back in 2003 or something, I came out with five body care products and I said, let me get into retailers. Let me just see what retail is about. And I kind of did the body care line as a test to be in retailers because I didn't want to have my, my whole line in retailers and decide I didn't want to be in retail. So I kind of like, I'm like, let me just see what the world of retail is like out there. And I decided that ultimately I own hundred percent of my company. So I very much like control. Like I like to be able to call my own shots, create my own vision and make my own decisions. For me being in retailers, what I really learned was I didn't have that kind of control. And essentially I would go to Nordstrom, for example, and train the the staff there how to use the products. But the minute you walk away, you kind of cross your fingers and kind of go, I hope they like it. You know, I hope customers like it. I hope they sell it. And, but it's really out of your hands. So I ended up selling the line. My skincare line was never in retailers, but I just learned that we can have control of the messaging, how the products are being sold. We have direct interaction with our customers ourselves. And, you know, they're hearing the heartbeat, the DNA of the brand directly to them. And, and that just was a path I've decided to continue to go in. So we are 100% of our company is just e-commerce at this point. That's amazing that you were so far ahead of the direct-to-consumer. That is now like a way that a lot of brands launch 
and because you were so far ahead, I feel like you've probably established such a strong base of customers and also with your content approach. And tell us a little bit about why you approached your online presence with content versus just having, you know, your platform for selling. The nice thing about having a skincare line that's backed by a beauty professional is like, I can walk the walk or talk the talk, whatever the expression is. I always get expressions wrong. But anyway, you know, I have all this experience and it's a waste to not share that knowledge. And so being an esthetician, I always really considered myself a teacher, you know, an educator. And I also didn't like being just sold to. And so, you know, when I had clients, like, I don't want to be the stereotypical pushy salesperson. That's just like, buy this, buy this. And I really wanted to help educate people to be a smarter skincare consumer. So I really did a lot of my research in skincare was certainly things I've learned from working with clients and experiences that way, but also research and classes. I've taken cosmetic chemistry classes at UCLA. I always go to skincare trade shows, always learning new things, but that's the benefit of when you're with Renee Rouleau is that you get knowledge. And my biggest accomplishment is sure. Yes. My, when they get on my skincare line and it helps clear up their acne or whatever the condition is, of course, I love that. But also when someone learned a tip or trick of something that they never thought about, never heard of before that they read on my blog, that ends up being a game changer for them. That's super fun as well. So yeah, just sharing what I know and what I know to be true and content has been huge for us for so many years. And as you are evolving the brand, what are you seeing? How is your clientele affecting what products that you put out and how you approach your business in general? So of the 25 years for 22 and a half of those years, we had skincare spas in Dallas. And my company, six years ago, I relocated our corporate headquarters and warehouse distribution to Austin. So now I'm in Austin, live there personally and professionally. But yeah, so I started by having a skincare spa in Dallas, eventually, you know, opened up another one. That's where I practiced being an esthetician for so many years. I employed estheticians. I'm now still practicing an esthetician, but I take a handful of uh, high-profile clients out in LA. I usually do house calls or work out of a hotel room. But for about 15 years in, when I was in Dallas, I ended up stopping taking clients because e-commerce was getting so big. I wanted to create more products, put out more content. And so I just couldn't do it all. I couldn't run the company plus be an esthetician and you know product development, all of that. So for about two years, I stopped taking clients. So I kind of let my clients know six months in advance, hey, come end of the year, I'm not going to take clients anymore. So I kind of phased out of it. And so for two years, I didn't take clients. And I really buckled down and was able to focus on other areas of the company that needed attention. And then I ended up deciding to open up another location, another skincare spa in Dallas. So now I had, you know, $125,000 loan I had to take out from the bank. And I was like, oh, I need to get back to taking clients again. Only, I mean, I had estheticians that were working with me, but I needed that extra revenue of being a service provider to pay off that loan. So I started taking clients again, and I was so shocked at how much I wasn't learning not being an esthetician because conversations online, you know, when people ask questions, that's all fun and good. But having that 75 minute dialogue with a client looking at their skin and putting all those parts and pieces together, because ultimately it's about kind of playing detective and trying to 
I literally am a detective looking at someone's skin, having that conversation, being able to ask them a million questions. And that's how I get to helping determine the curated routine that's going to help them. And, but those conversations inspire so many ideas from either new blog posts or certainly new products. And so now I love the fact that, I mean, I'm, you know, I only come out to LA, you know, now that the pandemic is a little bit winding down. I'm actually here in LA right now. I was here two weeks ago, but I'm now kind of catching up with my clients, but generally I'll, I'll probably only be here like every other month, but I love the fact that I still have that hands-on time with clients. And it's through those conversations that I can't get with people online the way I can when I'm actually touching and feeling someone's skin. And then that just puts all the puzzle pieces together for me. I'm curious, you know, you've always been kind of ahead of the curve on, you know, opportunities and channels. And I noticed that you do virtual consultations as well. Have you tested or what are your thoughts on some of the skin diagnostic tools and, you know, like where you can actually like see your skin health or, you know, or it's pretty early days of computer vision, but curious the opportunities you see there to kind of track how your skin's doing? I've definitely seen a lot of those. They're at trade shows and I have had some kind of diagnostic tools in my skincare spas when I had those. I mean, I think they're helpful, but at the end of the day, it's what someone sees in the mirror, right? At the end of the day, someone just wants to see results. So whether or not you have a machine that tells you, oh, your skin hydration levels are up. Like, you know, let's just say that, for example. Okay, well, that's all fine and good, but it's really, it's up to the person. Does your skin feel better? You know, does your makeup go on better? Do you feel as tight? So ultimately, yeah, tools can tell you things and measure things. And that does give a person some sort of data that makes them feel like they're headed in a better direction. But I just don't think... It goes back to what problem are we trying to solve? Is that what we need for people to solve their skincare problems? Well, ultimately, I can ask somebody my three main skin consultation questions to get the information I need to help them get results. So I think maybe some of the these things could play a supporting role, but I just think, you know, that's why we do those virtual consultations because we get so much from those questions and there's nuances to their answers that I just don't think technology could ever really solve for. I'm curious, Renee, over the course of building your business, what have been the biggest challenges that you didn't anticipate and how have you kind of worked through those? Yeah, that's a great question, April. So any entrepreneur, when you start out, you wear every single hat, you do everything yourself, right? Like, cause you're basically a one man, one woman band. And if all goes well, you can hire someone and delegate and have someone help you. And if all goes well, you can hire two people and eventually three people. And that will allow you to take some things off of your plate. I think the challenge for me was I'm a service provider, but I'm also the founder of the company running the business. And so there comes that point where you have to decide where are your strengths and where do you need to be? And I loved the skincare side of it you know, I love being an esthetician, but there's certain needs in the company that need to be addressed. So do I stop being a service provider and address those things? As I mentioned earlier, I did do that for two years, but guess what? I lost some of that conversation I was having with clients and lost some of the inspiration for creating new products. And so now I realized I need to delegate some other areas so that I can still be hands-on, right? With clients. And because that's really where the magic happens for me. So 
you know, and for many years, I just, I wore too many hats. I did too many things I wasn't good at, but did it anyway, because I didn't delegate well. And, you know, I go back to using that word control. I try to control everything myself by doing everything myself. Well, some of the things I'm not good at at all, but I still did it because I had always done it and, oh, I can do it. It's easy. But if I'm not good at it, hire somebody who's really good at it. And then it's going to be even better. And so what I've really learned in my 25 years, I mean, I've learned so many different lessons, but learning that delegating, hiring people who are better at doing your job than you is really a good thing. And I think, yeah, I just tried to, it was like a squirrel holding on to all its nuts, you know, and I just, I needed to kind of let go. And so my company now, you know, 25 years later, we have a team of 19. We have 11,000 square feet of office and warehouse space. We have grown so exponentially, certainly these last few years as I've hired more. And last year we got recognition in Austin for a best company to work for. And yeah, so a lot of the lessons of learning to trust my team, learning to let go, just surrendering and letting go of control is, is a lesson that I certainly should have learned a lot earlier, but no regrets. I think it all worked out. And so what do you have your eye on for the future as the brand has continues to grow and evolve? I think for us, you know, I'm not looking to take over the world. I just want to keep loving what I'm doing. And so we really manage our growth. So it's weird because it's like most companies are just like growth, growth, growth. And culture, company culture is so important for me. And I don't want to create chaos and mass pandemonium by growing so fast. So it's about growing because we always want to feel like we're moving forward, but managing the growth, making sure that we're not growing faster than we want to, to disrupt culture. I think it's just continuing to innovate and educate our clients and customers. And I don't have really any big, great lofty plans. It's because everything's working. If it's not broken, don't fix it. But it's just continuing to live by our company core values, which is just helping people to look good and feel good and being a source of trust for people and don't want to ever sell my soul for the almighty dollar. So staying, staying true to building a great company, not a big company. That's always what I wanted to do and just kind of staying true to who I am and making sure that any opportunity that comes my way, if I do say yes to it, it's an alignment with my values. And, and I still want to remain hundred percent owner of the company and just continue to do good for the world and not selling my soul for the almighty dollar. That's the big one. I love that. That's very rare. I feel like these days. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You've, your success is incredible and it's based on your expertise and it's just been building upon that knowledge, which I feel like is so crucial. And not a lot of brands have an expert at their center that kind of drives the products and then their service element too. So can you tell us a little bit about how your strategy for managing your team and keeping the consistency across your businesses and how that works? Because obviously you said learning to delegate was a big part of your growth as an entrepreneur. So I'm curious if you have any advice for listeners about that. Oh, I for sure have advice on that. So 
For the past eight years, we have run our company on a program called Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's also called EOS, and it's based off of a book called Traction. So anyone listening, I'm sure you've heard of the book Traction, and if you haven't, go get it. But basically, the reality is this. Every founder that starts their company, regardless, you know, if, even if they went to business school, I certainly didn't, I didn't even go to college, but everyone is still blind about how to do it, right? You can go to business school and they'll teach you everything, but then you get into it and you're like, wow, I didn't know this is what it was going to be like. And ultimately it's just like being thrown in a pool. You're going to sink or you're going to swim. And if all goes well, you'll swim, but you're just trying to figure it out and you can just never prepare yourself for what's around the corner, what crisis you're going to be in, the success you'll have, whatever, whatever's happening. It's just a lot of times you can't always control everything because you can't foresee what's going to happen. And you're just doing the best you can. And a lot of times founders are really very disruptive in their companies because they're highly creative. They have tons of ideas. They're stubborn. You know, they, this is why they started the company in the first place. And as the company grows, the founders can be all over the place, chasing shiny new toys, like just being super, you know, disruptive. And at some point, you need to have clear direction, clear roles and responsibilities in your company, who's doing what, because the founder also wants to put their fingers in everything. And that can be disruptive to teams, you know, when the team is on a path and they're scheduled and they're doing their thing. And then the founder comes in and you know, oh, wait, no, now I want to do this and just creates chaos. So a fun little thing in my company, they refer to me as the Renato because every time I come to the office, I'm like the tornado. And it's just like, I just kind of, you know, everyone's in their flow. And then I'm like, I, I have some new idea. And so we have in our warehouse where we have all our emergency signs. Well, one of the signs says, in case of tornado, please seek shelter or, you know, whatever it says, and, but they crossed out in case of tornado. So it says in case of Renato, and then they crossed out the bottom and it says, please grab alcohol. <laughs> and so, but that's anyone who's a founder or anyone who works with a founder of a company, you know how it is. And so EOS has been, I mean, absolutely such a, a great tool for us because we have clearly defined vision, clearly defined core values. We have our one-year plan, our three-year plan, our 10-year target. It's a roadmap. We know where we're going. It's all about hiring the right person, right seat. So everyone who's in their job, we're playing to their strengths. You know, we know how to run our meetings, communication. I mean, it really is as much of a master plan, idiot's guide to running a business, if you will, for running a company. And it has been... I mean, we drink the Kool-Aid, we follow it to a T, but because of it, I definitely say that's why we got recognition as a best company to work for in Austin, because, you know, we have great culture, everyone's thriving. And I think of also like an analogy, like, like a canoe rowing in a boat pre EOS. I mean, not, not technically, but you know, in theory, you know, we're all in a boat together. Some are rowing sideways, some are rowing backwards. Some people are in other boats. We're crashing into each other. You know, I mean, it's chaos. And now we're all in one big boat and we're all rowing in tandem in the right direction forward. And that's really what EOS has done for our company. So can't say enough about it, obviously. Wow. That is so impressive. I feel like that's such a valuable tip. And now if I ever start a business, I'm going to know <laughs> what to do. Yes. So thank you. Yes. 
And you will thank me for it because the person who recommended it to me, I cannot thank that person enough. So, wow. Well, thank you for sharing your secret or not so secret secret. Have you taken a look at StoryDot yet? Every brand and every product has a story to tell. And you can't successfully sell that brand or product without telling the story. StoryDot delivers your story wherever you want it to be heard. You can meet your customers at each point in their journey, connecting the dots between your business and the consumer to enhance engagement, experience, and conversion. I encourage you to take a look at StoryDot at StoryDot.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-D-O-T.com. And now it's Hitting the Pan. Renee? We're going to get to know you a little bit better now with hitting the pan and we'll first spin the salon chair and the first question will go to me this time. So I'm curious because everybody knows that good skin has a lot to do with nutrition and you know what you consume. It's not just what you put on your face, it's your lifestyle habits too. So what are your go-to foods for healthy skin or just foods that you love to eat? They cannot be healthy too. <laughs> <laughs> Probably have more unhealthy foods. So fun fact, um, in high school, a long time ago, but in high school, I got the award for females, for the girls, for biggest appetite. And so I definitely have a hearty appetite. I'm an eater. So I always look at it as like, what's the lesser of two evils? Not being able to eat and not working out much or working out a lot and being able to eat what I want. So I'm like, I'll work out all day long if I can eat what I want. So you know, I try to have a healthy diet. I tend to do kind of more low carb, but then I definitely get a lot of sugar in there. So that's not low carb, but I am a almost, I can probably say almost every single day there is a chocolate chip cookie or ice cream touching my mouth. So those are my, my guilty things, but, but yeah, I, you know, I try to, I eat a lot of salads and, you know, try to have eat healthy, but, but yeah, I definitely am always focused on my favorites and definitely those two. Amazing. It's all about balance. You got to have a little fun. In there. That's right. That's right. Funny, um, with some friends, I'm starting a chocolate chip cookie committee. We're calling it the CCC or CCCC and in Austin. So I have some other friends that are chocolate chip cookie lovers. And then I have a good friend that's a pastry chef and we're going to I haven't quite figured out how it's going to go yet, but we've just been talking about it this past couple of weeks, but we're determined to find the best chocolate chip cookie in Austin. So stay tuned. Follow me on Instagram. I'm sure I'll post about it there. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't wait to find out. That sounds like so much fun. Love it. So we're going to spin the salon chair a second time and it lands on Karen. So my question is, what are you passionate about outside of work and um, skincare? Oh, Lord, I have so many things. So um, I definitely am a thrill seeker and an adventurer. So things that get my heart racing definitely have my name all over it. I wouldn't say I'm a daredevil per se, although some people think I am, but, but I do ride motorcycles. I do a lot of 
physical exercise. Like I love doing hill sprints and just like really things that just get my adrenaline going. Um, I went on a snowmobile trip this past winter. I like to swim. I like to bicycle ride. I just, whenever they have it in Austin, there's the Formula One track, which is where they have all the, the Formula One uh, racetrack series. And they'll, every Tuesday during the spring and somewhat into summer, you can take your bicycle and actually bicycle around this crazy race car track. So um, I do that. And Yesterday, right before I came to Austin, I did some cliff diving. I mean, I say cliff diving. It's, it was a bridge, but, you know, a big jump into the water and that's super fun. So, yeah, I'm always anything that gives me a thrill, fun things, sporting events. I'm Austin FC. Austin has our first uh, major league uh, athletic team, which is a soccer team. And so we have so I've been going to a lot of those games and just I'm I'm all about fun for sure fun and adventure love it awesome wow we definitely want to come hang out with you between that and the chocolate chip cookies so right i'm the girl (laughs) i'm the girl for a good time call renee (laughs) (laughs) amazing we are totally game so so before we wrap up um do you have any final thoughts you want to share on our chat or just to leave our listeners with so i guess my i'll give some business advice and then I'll give some skincare advice. So both things that I've learned in my past 25 years of having Renee Rillo skincare. So business advice, I would say business is hard. It's really challenging. It's not easy. And, you know, in this day and age, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and everyone seeks to start their own business. But my best advice is stay working as long as you can working for someone else because working for someone else is like getting paid to learn. So don't rush into it because there's so many people that get into it and they're like, I had no idea it was going to be like this. So definitely take your time before you want to be an entrepreneur. My best skincare advice is um, I would say it's really, you know, I know it's cliche. We all talk about sunscreen, but it really is the best thing you can do for your skin. But the most important thing is to apply sunscreen generously, you know, especially for, you know, the oily acne prone people that hate having moisturizer on their skin anyway. And so they apply sunscreen really sparingly. So you definitely want to find one that you love. I also suggest for additional sun protection, suggest people to wear some sort of foundation makeup every single day. The goal with anyone is they're like, wait, but my goal is to have such great skin that I don't need to wear a foundation. I don't need to cover anything. Well, that is true, but I noticed when I moved to Texas, Southern women, for whatever reason, wear makeup. You know, there's an expression in Dallas, which is you don't go to the grocery store without your makeup on. So Dallas women are, you know, we're very put together and wearing makeup all the time. And I had come from Boston where people don't really wear makeup. And what I noticed early on back in the 90s when I moved there is how these Dallas women, you know, you think that they should have more sun damage because it's the hot Texas sun, but their skin had very few wrinkles. And what I traced it back to was, for whatever reason, Texas women and Southern women in general embraced makeup. Well, back in the you know 50s or whatever, when Max Factor came out with pancake makeup, for whatever reason, Southern women wore makeup. And makeup has titanium dioxide in it and iron oxides, which are natural sunscreen ingredients. And these were women, I had some of these you know older, more traditional Dallas women that told me that 
they went to bed after their husbands. So then they would take their makeup off, get up before their husbands, have their full face on so they could look put together. Their husbands never saw them without makeup. These were also the women that immediately after the facial I would give them would go into the bathroom for 20 minutes and put their face back on. But anyway, but come to find out these women that were wearing foundation makeup day in and day out were getting sun protection all during the 70s when everybody's doing baby oil and that whole thing. These women were covered under sunscreen. And so... So I learned early on how important foundation is as an insurance policy, as an extension of your skincare program to give sun protection. So, you know, find a foundation you like and or a mineral powder or something, but don't think that, oh, I want to let my skin breathe or I'm doing my skin a favor by not having makeup on. Of course, you don't. If you're somebody that breaks out, you don't want to get something that's going to clog your pores and cause acne, of course. So there are some out there. But yeah, so it's really about protecting your skin because that's, you know, it's so much easier to prevent sun damage than it is to get rid of it once it's there. So yeah, sunscreen, foundation, makeup every day. Those are your friends. Isn't that the truth? Well, it's all about the myth busters today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm learning so much. So before we say goodbye, um, how can our listeners connect with you, Renee, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, your website? What's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, so I have my personal Instagram, which is Renee Rillo. And so that's the fun times of Renee Rillo, behind the scenes, CEO, adventurer, all that good stuff. And then I talk about skincare a little bit, but it's mostly just my world and all the things I love to do. And then my company is Renee Rillo Skincare on Instagram and Facebook. And so that's where we're pushing out a lot of the good tips and tricks and trying to educate you to become a better consumer, smarter consumer. And then of course, ReneeRillo.com, you can take the skin type quiz. And then most importantly, sign up to get our emails for our blog and you'll get all of our new blog posts. So you'll be super smart and learn things that no one ever told you about. So you can have better skin as a result of the knowledge that you get. Amazing. Thank you so much, Renee, for being here and for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Thank you to everybody for listening. Check back soon for another great guest. And thank you so much, Karen, for being here with us too. Thanks, Renee. This was a great conversation. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. I'm April Franzino, and this is Beauty Is Your Business. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice.